The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon called Peter, and his brother, Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon from Cana, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Drive out demons. Without cost you have received. Without cost you are to give. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. may be seated. So, Pastor mentioned briefly in his opening that we have switched time within the church year. There's kind of two halves of the liturgical year for us as Christians, two parts to the calendar. And we just finished the part that has all the great feasts of our salvation. You've had, of course, the birth, and then the death, and the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus and then the sending of His Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And now we enter the second half of the year, which is called Ordinary Time. And we're going to hear a lot more of the teachings of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus. And what I like about Ordinary Time is that I think it tends to speak more into the ordinary, everyday part of life of what it means to be a Christian. And that's why we switch to the color green. This is a time for us to grow in our Christian life. Now, ironically, as we go into ordinary time this year, we do it in a rather extraordinary time, don't we? Tumultuous, as he said, volatile. And it seems like everything right now all around us is going like, whoa, and we're not really sure what to do and how to handle it. And if you listen at all to the voices that are out there, many are calling for radical changes to our society. But I would actually suggest to you the exact opposite, that we already have what it is that we need to do. The problem is is that we just haven't always done it, and for that we must repent. So as we now enter into this ordinary time in a rather crazy time, the Spirit, like He always does, gives us, I think, exactly what we need right now. He gives us a refresher course. Through the church's readings, we're going to be hearing the next three weeks little bits and pieces of Matthew chapter 10. And that's the chapter in which Jesus first sends out His disciples on a mission, the very first time He sends them out, and He gives them lots of instructions what to do. And quite simply, I think that's what we need to do, is to hear those instructions once again so that we know what we are always called to do. And as always, Jesus gives us everything that we need to do it. He always does. So that as the world's going, whoa, we can remain steady. And that's our theme for the next three weeks, steady. 
So as I read the gospel and it opened up in the very first few words, it said this, at the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them. The Greek word there is splagnizomai, because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I bring up this word because it's one of my favorite Greek words. It's, it is a little bit of an onomatopoeia, once again, where it just kind of sounds like what it means. It's this deep, felt, this deep felt core in the gut of your belly compassion. And you see Jesus has this because he looks out at his people and they are like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and they're helpless. And that's because they don't have any leaders, not good ones at least. The ones who should have been leading them, the religious leaders of the time, have failed them miserably. Because what they've done is they've rejected Jesus. And what they should have been doing is bringing the sheep to Jesus. Now, I think, again, we could probably relate to that. Maybe not maybe or maybe not about religious leaders, but when we look around our world and all the suffering and the struggling that we see, you don't have to raise your hands, but how much of that is due to the lack of or failed leadership? But Jesus sees his sheep, and he cares deeply for them, splachnidzomai, in the core of his being. And that's also for you. Make sure you don't miss that, that this is how Jesus sees you. He has deep, gut-wrenching compassion for you and for whatever your situation in life might be right now or at any time. That's how he sees you. You're never, ever invisible to Jesus. And how he sees you is then how he wants you to see. And that's my first point on how we can remain steady. Number one is that we've got to see. So we're going to have, we'll have a little fun with this homily this morning. We're going to have some actions in this homily. Would you all be willing to kind of play along? Those of you at home can play along too if you'd like. Uh, I'd like everybody to uh, uh, make a pair of binoculars for your eyes like this, okay? Because the first thing we've got to do is we've got to see. We've got to see with the compassionate eyes of Jesus. Okay, you can put your binoculars down. I think we've all experienced what this is like. I, I bet you every one of us has, that you've, you've seen a person or you've seen a situation and, and you are so deeply moved inside. You want to do something and that sort of erupts from within you like a volcano and, and breaks out. But on the other hand, we've also looked at people and not seen the person. It's got to be for every person we meet, no matter the color of their skin, or their cultural background, or their appearance, or their social and economic background. It's got to be no matter how their opinions, or their positions on the different issues, or even their life situation might differ from ours. No, no, no. See, we must see them. And we know this, right? I mean, again, we already have what we need to be steady, but we've got to do it. We've got to see each person as the unique and unrepeatable gift of God that they are. The second thing he teaches us is that we must pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. So here's our second action. If you, if you would put together your praying hands, and I don't mean palm to palm like all holy-like. I mean I want you to mingle your fingers together and grip tightly. Because this word in the Greek for ask is a much stronger word than that. It's more like pray earnestly, literally, like beg. 
At the root of this word, it can sometimes even mean to like bind up or imprison. So picture with me, if you would, a child who, who clings, you can go ahead and put your hands down, who's clinging and, and to a parent and you know, just wraps themselves around mom or dad's legs and will not let go until they get what they want. See, friends, that's what we've got to do. We've got to wrap up the Lord and cling to him and beg him for good leaders, leaders who have integrity. Now, Jesus, of course, is asking for religious leaders, but this applies to leaders at every level of society. We, we must beg God for good government and for leaders in the church and maybe most importantly in the family. But then what you've got to do, if you pray like this, you've got to get ready because you will become a part of the very answer to your own prayer. I thought it was kind of funny, at least I find it funny, that what happens is Jesus tells the disciples, pray that the Lord would send laborers out into the harvest field. And what's the next thing he does? Sends them as laborers out into the harvest field to get to work. See, if we want to be steady, that we need to see and then we need to pray. And here's the last action, we must go. So if you do this with me, just go. We've got to go. Because see, Jesus sends you. He sends you out. You are called to be a leader, to be a laborer in the harvest field, to be a shepherd. You are an answer to your own prayer. Now, you might say, who, me? (laughs) What can I do? But yes, you, and you can do a lot if we keep in mind these three things as we go. Number one, that he has called you. Through your baptism, you join, as we heard in our first reading from Exodus, a royal priesthood. Brothers and sisters, you are royalty. You are queens and you are kings. And good queens and good kings take care of whatever's entrusted to them. And you are also priests. And good priests intercede and they get involved. But the Greek word here for called or summoned is literally called to himself. What Jesus does is he calls the twelve and he calls us to himself so that he can give to us what is his. This is the second thing, that he gives you his authority, his power. Now, authority and power from a Christian point of view is never to dominate and to force other people to comply to your will and to your wishes, to rule with an iron fist. No. We are kings and queens who serve those who are entrusted to us. Because we have the authority and the power of the king. There's a lot of leadership books out there about how to lead. You want to know how to lead? (laughs) Quite simply, you want to know how to lead? Look at a crucifix. That's how you lead, right there. You give your life for the world. This is what Jesus teaches to all of us. This is what Jesus does for us. And what happens is his self-giving love that now becomes who we are, we become self-giving. See, that's the power that can actually heal and cleanse, that can confront evil and defeat it with love, that can raise up what is dying and defeated and give it life again. Because, see, this is resurrected power and authority. This is the most powerful force in all of the world. It's the only thing that can transform this broken and now burnt-down world of ours. Friends, you have the compassion of Jesus in you. 
which is more than just gut feeling and sentiment. See, it's gut feeling and sentiment that's then acted upon. It's compassion that has lived and died, and now it lives again. It's resurrected compassion. And when that is in you, then the impossible can happen. What is dead can come back to life. What is hate can be love. And what is torn apart can be healed and reconciled. But that then brings me to the last thing. And this is going to sound maybe a little bit strange at first. That he calls you, he gives you authority, but then third, he limits you. He sent out the twelve and said, Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if you hear that and you know the Bible, you might say, wait, what? That doesn't sound right. Aren't we sent out to all nations, to all people? And that is the way Matthew's gospel ends. Jesus does that indeed. But right now what he does, he sends them out and he limits their scope to those who are immediately around them. And there's a lesson in that. And in fact, it's one that I think is quite liberating. It's a relief. Because with the news and the social media around us constantly barraging us with everything that's going wrong in this world and all these horrible situations, and then, of course, there is every possible opinion on what we should do with it, it can leave us feeling overwhelmed and paralyzed, going, oh my gosh, what are we supposed to do in this mess? The world's needs are infinite. But in order to help us remain steady, what Jesus does is he limits our scope to the world that's just around us immediately. Where do these size 12 feet take this six-foot body, I won't say how many pounds, out into the world today? Who do these eyes look upon and see? What can these hands that pray then do? What can these lips and, and this tongue, what are the good words I can speak? Your world is limited because you are a finite person. But what he asks of you is only what he presents to you in your everyday, ordinary life. That's your limited scope and focus. But that's not a bad thing. In fact, rejoice, because guess what? He's not limited. The infinite one is the only one who can do something about the infinite problems that we have in our world. And here's one of the things that he's done. Do you realize he has billions of Christians just like you deployed all over the world right now? So what I would suggest to us, what I'd suggest to any Christian, is to begin in your own home, to look around and to shepherd and lead and love those who are immediately around you, and then work your way out from there. And guess what? The ones that you are shepherding are going to do the same thing. They're going to go out from there. And we're going to cover a lot of territory together. That's how we remain steady in these volatile times. So let's do it one more time. Ready? Let's see. And let's pray. And then let's go. Let's go as the leaders who have been called by Christ, who've been given his authority and every one of you who's been put exactly where God wants you to be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.